0: The Laura Murphy Show, Episode 39.
1: Welcome to The Laura Murphy Show, the podcast that analyzes financial markets from the perspective of Austrian economics and Nelson Nash's infinite banking concept. Listen and learn as your hosts, Robert Murphy and Carlos Lara, explain how you can be part of building
0: the 10%. Welcome, everyone. This is now part two of Carlos and my interview with Nelson Nash. If you missed part one, obviously you're going to want to go listen to that first. That's episode 38. And without further ado, let's return to the interview with the founder of IBC, Nelson Nash. So Nelson, uh, at this point, I think we <laughs> we've gotten through the preliminaries and people are saying okay, okay, that's interesting stuff. But we, we want to talk about IBC. So, uh, in the, we, we've we've already talked about you know what sort of got you into life insurance. But can you tell us you know what at what point would you say you discovered IBC? Was it I mean? And you talk a little bit about this in your book, but for the benefit of people who haven't. You know, read your book yet? Was there like an epiphany moment when you would say you went from zero to sixty, or were there things that were accumulating, and then all of a sudden you put them together in one moment of recognition? Or can you just talk a little bit about how did you discover IBC?
1: It evolved over a period of time, uh, like most everything else, and that's worthwhile out there in life. You see a little here and a little there, and it feeds on itself, and then all of a sudden uh, you see a bigger picture that uh, was always there. Uh, what I saw was that, uh, top-down thinking, uh, never works. I learned that from my uh, study of, uh, Austrian economics big time. Uh, it can't work. It's impossible. Well, when you, uh, consider that, that there's my Christian background, the book of Exodus tells you that, uh, God is a jealous God. Uh, he won't put up with, uh, people trying to displace him in their lives it won't work it's impossible but man's a tendency out there is to try to play god in the pagan sense of the word every government program is nothing more than that they are elitist and they want to run people's lives and it can't be done and so every one of them always fall apart uh, that's why all the empires fall apart and so forth uh Mankind just cannot understand how short a period we are here on this earth. And they may look like they're accomplishing something uh, that is lasting, but there's no way. Well, uh, I saw from uh, that Christian background and my Austrian background that uh, in the uh, business world out there, business people have got it backward also. I saw in the life insurance business that um, people were concentrating on uh, death benefit. Well, uh, when you study insurance of any kind, uh, it all started with the, the premise of something happening that was not good during a time frame that would, would be disastrous to the parties involved. Okay, uh, that's term insurance. Well, odds are these things don't happen. But uh, life is not if, it's when. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, as a result of that, consumers saw that that was a ripoff, that that can't work. Consumers invented uh, dividend paying whole life insurance. If you go back and study the archives, they said, uh, look, uh, since life is when, not if. Can't you come up with something like that would provide a death benefit no matter when the person uh, dies? And so uh the insurance industry, as a result of that understanding, said that, well, you know, if we collect about, say, five or six times more premium than it requires for term insurance, we can put that money to work in various and subject places out there, and uh that'll provide a fund that will... Make it possible to pay a death benefit no matter when the person dies. And of all things, they call it whole life insurance. But again, we go, go, gotta go back to my forestry days now. Uh, classification, Bob. You classify things on the basis of their major characteristics, not incidentals. When this happened, the, uh, the banking function stood out like a sore thumb to me that, uh, this should, thing should never have been called whole life insurance. Uh, it should have been labeled a personal monetary system with a death benefit thrown in on the side just for the heck of it. <laughs> now that's a rather long name. We'd have to have an acronym of some sort, <laughs> but, but, uh, it would have been far more accurate. And see, uh, when you classify things correctly, behavior changes. See, this is another characteristic out there of the, uh, of the uh, elitist folks out that we see that they want to run your lives. They don't understand that uh, they are violating uh, a very important fact of life when they're trying to play God in the pagan sense of the word, that uh, it can't work. Now, if you've got the uh, the banking function out there today, down at the V level on a large uh, population base, you change the, Uh, entire way that the financial world works. And uh, that's what I saw, that uh, individuals could change their lives totally, and it doesn't matter what those other folks are doing at all. And this kind of thing will spread as time goes by, because uh, people do think every once in a while that it's not all that evident. Kind of rambling answer, I know, but uh, again, These people that uh, are the elitist, have you ever noticed how they change the meaning of words, Bob?
0: Oh, yeah, all the time.
1: All right. See, uh, they call social security contributions. Uh, Well, confiscations, I'll go with, but contributions, no. There is no (laughs) such thing. (laughs) But everywhere you go, there is a change of uh, the meaning of words. And uh, this has produced disastrous results. Because uh uh government schools teach this kind of thinking, uh Lord, the way the elitists think. And they they try to mimic the uh elitists and uh, there's no way.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that uh you know another one we like to talk about a lot is the word inflation and how that uh-huh. used to mean one thing and now it means something else. Right. And uh, and I've noticed I do a lot of consulting for uh the energy sector and you know, talking about carbon taxes and things. and so the people who are for a carbon tax will call things dirty energy. So it's kind of hard to be for dirty energy, you know. <laughs> so just the very language they use automatically makes them win the argument. And so it's, it's hard to even uh, debate that kind of stuff.
1: Yes, and every time, uh, everything that they want to come up with is based on fear. In fact, I'm uh, leading a movement to change the name of Washington, D.C. to the Fear Factory. <laughs> everything that goes on there, the common denominator is fear. Uh, see, that article that uh, we talked about there earlier uh, in the previous section, uh, Carlos, uh, Pattern for Federal Takeover Your Business, uh, Nation's Business Magazine, ni- June 1961. Uh, it was all predicated upon the uh, assumption that we're running out of timber, that uh, Gifford Pinchot, uh, the first U.S. forester uh, back in 1907, said, in only two generations, we'd be totally out of timber in the United States. Well, that was a lie. There's more timber today than there was when DeSoto came through this part of the world several hundred years ago. But uh you can't reason with these elitists out there because they always know. Now, there's another thing. You always find that uh, these people with these uh, fears that they come up with, they're always very wealthy people. <laughs> <laughs> you can count on it every time. <laughs> uh, it's absurd that people go listen to these sort of things. So, uh, Octave Troussel, the author of that article, uh, he did a great job that uh, what happens is that bureaucrats, I didn't say congressman, I said bureaucrats, uh, they will take one segment of the economy, they'll take bogus statistics, uh, they'll run those bogus statistics, uh, through their crystal ball, which is now the computer. And they, uh, predict that the world is coming to an end unless the government takes over. And so that bureaucrat there wants a, a job of being a bureaucrat. Then, then later on, he wants an office, uh, of his own. Then, uh, next big goal, he wants a suite of offices in the building. And then a floor later on of the building, and then several uh, floors of a the building. Then he wants his own building, and then he wants his complex of uh, buildings. All right, I've just described to you Washington, D.C. <laughs> Nelson, uh, I've all, I often tell
2: people that uh, on reading your book, uh, Becoming Your Own Banker, that I, I told myself only an Austrian could have written this book. And so, uh, it's of course that you you've been a student of Austrian economics for so long, but uh, I'm curious. So here you are, you've come into the life insurance industry, mm-hmm. and and you're seeing that they've got this thing backwards. And uh, but obviously it's a huge industry, and you've got all these life insurance agents selling life insurance in the way that you've just described in a backwards way. Yep. And and so like here you come in. And you completely flip this thing uh, and call it the infinite banking concept. But at what point did you make that transition? I know you started speaking, uh, you're conducting seminars to teach this. And some of these seminars, you know, lasted 10 hours at a minimum yep and you did you did it week after week for you know for many many years, but obviously didn't start out that way At what point did you make that transition to say, Hey, this is more about banking than it is life insurance folks and begin to turn that mindset around
1: It was probably uh late seventies uh along in there uh when I first recognized that all this was true uh I really tried to suppress it uh, because it was out of the ordinary uh, understanding. And I said to myself, how in the world can I get this across to people that uh, got a locked mind uh, on uh, the way they look at things? But uh, it wouldn't go away. So I know uh, all about Moses burning bush. Uh, (laughs) I said, this has got to be talked about openly. (laughs) And I tried to get the message done in two and a half hours, but it couldn't be done. Uh, but uh, as it, uh, something incidental here that you probably don't know, uh, maybe we talked about it in the past, uh, maybe not, but uh, one of the uh, good personalities in the life insurance business back there with Equitable Life was Tom Parkinson. Now, did you know that uh, when Leonard Reed started FEE, that Leonard had an office at Equitable Life compliments of Tom Parkinson? No. Yes, yes. So uh, once I uh, became uh, recognized somewhat at uh, Equitable Life, I'm up there in the home office and trying to get them acquainted with FEE. And uh, I got absolutely nowhere. I got a cold shoulder big time. Interesting. Because, you see, in the, in the mindset of the guys that were at the top level of running the company, that is, home office folks, uh, they didn't think very much of Tom Parkinson as compared with uh, their Harvard MBA genius today.
2: <laughs> Speaking of Harvard MBAs, uh, yeah. you know, I'm reminded of the first time I met you, Nelson. And you had kiddingly described me as an individual that was full of Harvard MBA thinking. Yes. And I I had the hardest time (laughs) understanding IBC, but you were so patient with me. And I guess it's because you've seen this kind of mindset before and Mm -hmm. you, you didn't criticize me. You tried to explain it to me as best you could. And it just took me, it took me years before I finally understood. But so I've heard you say this before and, Maybe you can explain it. You say that IBC is more caught than taught.
1: Yes, you discover it. You discover it. You don't inject it into. Consider, look at uh, the Bible. Jesus Christ didn't go around wanting to inject these thoughts into people. He wanted them to discover what it was all about. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting uh, just a comment in and
2: of itself because uh, obviously. We get questioned a lot about how IBC works and uh, there's all kinds of questions that can come up. But then what you do realize is that all of a sudden the light comes on. Yes. And, it, and as you say, once, once you see what's going on, you'll know exactly
1: what to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, then, it's, it, then it's yours. <laughs> it's, it's not something that somebody put on you. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: It, it belongs to you. It's, it's yours personally.
0: So Nelson, can I just follow up on that? What implication does that have? Like if, you know, if Carlson and I are trying to evangelize and tell people about this and they, you know, they have concerns or whatever, is it, anyway, any any thoughts as to, because you obviously have been doing this a lot longer than we have in terms of trying to get people to understand IBC. I, anyway, I'm, I'm grappling myself with, because I, I it does seem like for some reason this is harder to get across to people, and then when they get it, it's not because I answered some particular question they had, it's something else. Like they just saw something else and all of a sudden it hits them. And so I'm, I'm just wondering, do you have any thoughts on, you know, what more about that process? And, and are, you know, my, am I, am I going about the wrong way by saying, Oh, you've got these 10 objections. Well, let me go through one through 10 and, and answer them.
1: Yeah. That's the way that uh, so much of the business world thinks that uh, we're going to have this checklist and they'll take care of it. But, uh, it's not a holistic, uh, approach to the matter at all. You gotta have patience out there. And so, uh, things will turn around, uh, but it's just gonna take quite a while for it to do so. Uh, there's a, uh, fantastic article there on com today. Uh, something about the 200 year mindset, uh, concerning, uh, the so-called Civil War, uh, better known really as the War of Northern Aggression. But, uh, see, uh, we don't classify things correctly, again. So, see, people can't even uh, understand the definition of a civil war. Uh, a civil war is when two or more factions fight for control of the country, and there's not one shred of evidence uh, out there in history that the South wanted to take over Washington, D.C., and run this uh, country.
0: Right, yeah. That. Yeah, that would be like... Calling the American Revolutionary War a civil war, right, yeah, completely, uh, completely be yeah. inappropriate, yeah,
1: yeah, uh there's so much out there that uh people just do not understand, and one of the biggest reasons that it's not understood is the way we go about education that we we're doing it all totally backward, and it won't work, that's just all there is to it,
0: well, let me ask you this Nelson um let's say 40 years from now, you know, I'm, I'm out talking about something and then somebody's interviewing me and they say, you know, this Nelson Nash guy, we know you, you knew him and you know, what, what was his contribution? Would you say, what what is it that you want me to tell the person?
1: (laughs) I'd say he met a lot of uh, interesting people and uh, listened to them. uh, That's about it. That's all I've ever done. (laughs) There's nothing new out there at all, but uh, people, apparently I always want to try to reinvent the wheel that's not necessary at all so l- let me prod you and
0: try to knock down your modesty a bit w- regarding IBC then let's say specifically I mean because you I know you said that that stuff was always there policy loans or whatever but what is it that you showed people that you know was kind of staring them in the face but it
1: took you to to point it out well it's kind of like this again we got to go to parables. Okay, Bob. Now, uh, you're not an agricultural person, are you? <laughs> no, not at all. All right. Well, you do know what corn is. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You've eaten corn on the cob? Yes, I have. <laughs> all right. Those seeds there, uh, <laughs> you, if you plant those in the ground, you get a stalk of, of uh, corn, and uh, it usually has about three ears, and each of those ears will have maybe uh, six, 700 uh, kernels on like it. Uh, law of the harvest, okay? Now, are you aware of the fact that uh, you plant corn, you also get some other plants? No, I didn't know that. It's called weeds. Okay. Yeah. All right, now, if you got a lot of weeds out there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, they get uh, pretty good, well grown, it's hard to see the corn. But Bob, if you get rid of the of the weeds, the coin stands out like a sore thumb. Our problem is out there, there is financial noise of an unprecedented level. There's more absolute noise in the financial world, I think, than any other. Mm -hmm. And if we can learn to recognize what financial noise looks like and don't listen to it, uh, life is so simple. It's so profitable. Uh, It's peaceful. It's stress-free. Yeah. And the banks are the one who's do- sowing all the seeds of uh, nonsense. Anybody that would lend money that doesn't exist is, uh, that's criminal. Mm-hmm. But that's what we've got going on. <laughs> well, uh, we got to have a medium exchange somewhere. And if it's warehoused in a, a central location of a, a, well, not a central location, a lot of uh, locations, many, many companies like there are lots of life insurance companies. Now, uh, if it's disseminated in a place like that and put the work in from a place like that, they cannot inflate the money supply. It's impossible. You've destroyed the thing that you have done away with the thing that is uh, made slaves out of people. Inflation. Uh, just look at what has happened in the last uh, 100 years, 103 years now, uh, that the, uh, Centralizing the uh, the banking uh, equation, uh, one of the ostensible reasons that they wanted to do this, they say, was to stabilize the money. Well, boy, did they ever stabilize it, huh? <laughs> absurd. But yet, in this environment, uh, you can operate very well. But you got to change the way you think. Don't think the way they think. If you do, they're running your show. They're running your life. But see, our government institutions of education out there are not uh, education. They are indoctrination. They're teaching people how to be slaves. Well, just don't do things that way. That's all. Free contract with other people uh, destroys all that nonsense. But you have to watch for the noise out there and be able to recognize noise. This is where that classification comes into hand, uh, comes to, to mind very quickly mm-hmm. learning how to classify noise and don't uh go uh entertaining it
0: okay i see that uh we're running short on time here i think we got time for one more question so carlos do you want to ask nelson the the grand finale here for our uh interview we've, he's been so gracious to give us his time for
2: well you know i think one good question uh that And I think Nelson's already touched on it, but it may be, maybe it's the right question to ask again. Nelson, uh, I've heard you say this many times, and that is that IDC is Austrian economics in
1: action. Yes. Can you elaborate on that and why you feel that way? Because a number of people have uh, recognized that. Gosh, I had a uh, a 16-year-old kid from Perth, Australia, uh, email me. And uh, he says, uh, I read your book. This sounds like Austrian economics in action. Well, that got my uh, attention. Uh, So we started emailing back and forth. And uh, I said, uh, son, uh, I'd love to have you come to one of my seminars. Uh, Where are you? He says Perth, Australia. <laughs> I said well, that's a long way off. But uh, uh, look, uh, he says, "Well, well, I've got to tell you that uh, my father is an engineer, uh, has just taken a job uh, in San Diego, and my mother's got uh, about uh, a few years to uh, qualify for a pension here in Australia. Right now, I'm uh, with my father for several months." uh so uh I said, well, uh, you got to get your own transportation, but you can stay with us, and uh you got a scholarship to the seminar well, uh, I said, How old are you? He said, 16 years old. <laughs> the kid had never gone to a uh, high school he never he had been to school. he just took an exam and uh they gave him a diploma <laughs> so uh, people of that uh caliber recognize very quickly if they know anything about Austrian economics at all that this is true. It's individual action and it's contractual. It's not top-down thinking at all. It's not a requirement of any kind. You only get together with people of like mind. Uh, Some people that care about other people that have a, a, a common problem out there of loss just in case. Well, in the process, again, they've got this ever-increasing banking capacity uh, with which to run everything through. And it uh, meets the uh, teachings of Richard Cadian 300 years ago in uh, Europe. It uh, obeys the teachings of economic value added. So uh, it's the uh, perfect thing, but people just don't know about it. And, of course, uh, we've got to uh, stamp out uh, ignorance. Beautiful. There you
0: have it, Bob. <laughs> Great. So thank you so much, Nelson, for uh, your generous time here. And we really appreciate it and everything, of course, that you've done for IBC and just spreading the message of empowering people to take back the banking function. And this, that's so important. Not, not, of course, obviously, that that money is everything, as you stress, you know, the, the important things in life and what you're going to do after life. But uh, certainly it reduces stress and allows you to... Uh, just focus on other things when, when you have control of the banking function in your own life. So for those of you who have not really been exposed to IBC, we'd encourage you to, you know, first thing is you got to read Nelson's book. Uh, we'll also put some links to previous podcast episodes where Carlson and I have started from scratch and explained what is IBC uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know what it is. So uh, again, thank you, Nelson, for your time. And we will see all of you next time here at the Laura Murphy Show. Take care, everybody.
1: You've just finished another episode of The Laura Murphy Show. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to do your part in building the 10%.
0: The Laura Murphy Show is provided with the understanding that the staff and contributors of lauramurphy.com are not here and engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult your own professional tax, legal, or financial advisor.